We see this mission in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples. We see this mandate in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus calls the disciples and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And church family, we live in a city. We live next to a college campus. We live in a community in the greater Huntsville area with a substantial need for Jesus and the saving grace that comes from him. And so we got to go. And so my prayer is that over these next four weeks that this will help you live out the mission of God by building a culture of evangelism. And in doing so, week after week, my hope and prayer is that we would see people trusting in Jesus and we get to celebrate that new life as we walk alongside them as a church family, spurring them on in the race that Jesus has laid before us. And so this is the goal. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be building through that. And so what I want to do before we jump into the text is I just want to throw out two definitions that I want us to work with over the next four weeks so that we're all speaking the same language and that we all know what's going on. Because if we want to build a culture of evangelism, you're probably thinking we probably need to know what we mean by that, what we mean by that word. And so I want to give you two definitions Uh, One for evangelism, and then one for the gospel that we'll talk about in just a moment. So if you're a note taker, I want you to grab these. But two definitions before we begin. One is if we're going to build a culture of evangelism, this is what we mean. When we talk about evangelism, what we mean by that is that evangelism is the intentional act of sharing the gospel and inviting sinners into new life with Christ. I'll say it one more time. It's so important that evangelism is the intentional act of sharing the gospel and inviting sinners into new life with Christ. And so the idea is that as a church, whether we go in groups or two by two or as individual believers, we would share this gospel message and speak, very important, the gospel message to someone else, and then invite them in to repent of their sins and trust in Jesus. And so the two basic components is the sharing of the gospel, and then secondly, the invitation of the gospel, so that people will have a chance to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the end goal is not just communicating the good news, but it's actually calling people to trust in the good news, which is Jesus Christ and the salvation He offers for anyone who would believe in Him. The end goal is to invite them in. And so this is what we're talking about of building a culture of evangelism, is that we'd be a people that as we leave these gatherings, we would be bold to proclaim this story of Jesus Christ and bold to invite people to join in. Now, one more definition, because I have to move quickly. For the gospel, if we're going to be sharing the gospel, we need to know what that word gospel means. And so here is a definition of gospel, because believe it or not, there is much confusion on what the gospel is. But the gospel is the good news of the life, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So if you're a note taker, this is the definition for the gospel that we're using here. It is the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This gospel message It traces the redemptive story of Jesus in his perfect life, his death on the cross, and then finally his resurrection from the dead, where if someone by faith trusts in Jesus, they will be saved by grace. 
It's this good news. That word literally means the good news. And so here's a quick take on this before we go further. You may be a Christian this morning. Hearing this again, I just want to encourage you this way. Do not let the gospel move from being good news to old news. If the gospel feels like old news to you this morning, this is the time to do a spiritual pulse check and ask the Lord to renew your heart and mind again. Folks that have been saved for years or decades or uh, just a, a certain period of time, it's easy to forget about when we were saved, when God, by His grace, took us from spiritual death and brought us into eternal life with Him. It's easy to forget that. And it becomes old news. Let's be a church that is passionate, on fire because of this gospel message. And so here is why all of this is important and why we're even talking about the gospel today. To be saved, someone must understand the full picture of the gospel. To be saved, you have to know it. And I'm not saying you have to be a, a theologian or a scholar or a professor, and you must know the most intricate depths of Scripture, but you have to know the basic elements. And so what our first message is on is the gospel itself. And the passage we're going to look at today is a single verse, very different than last week. A single verse, one of my favorite verses, where you can faithfully share the entire gospel message with someone else in one verse. And this will help us understand the implications of the gospel so that you today could go and share the gospel with someone else. Because before the church shares the gospel, the church must understand and know the gospel in such a way that it can be communicated. And so we're going to look at the gospel today. Now, before we go in, if you're here as a non-believer, maybe you're here listening in and maybe you're skeptical of Christianity or just learning about who Jesus is. I pray that today you would see the good news of Jesus Christ, that it would illuminate your heart and mind, and you would see why we believe it is worth giving our lives so that you would hear this message. So let's look at verse 23 in Romans chapter 6, and then we're going to take three observations from that passage. Romans 6, at the very end of that chapter, Paul writes to the church at Rome, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. A simple verse, but oh my goodness, a verse that carries so much truth in it. What I want to do is I want us to take three observations from this verse to help us understand what the gospel is and what it's all about so that we can share it with others. And so there's going to be three observations. I'm going to give them to you now, and then we'll walk through each one. But the three observations that we're going to talk through is, number one, man's sinfulness. Number two, God's graciousness. And then number three, finally, Jesus' righteousness. So man's sinfulness, God's graciousness, and then finally, Jesus's righteousness. So let's start with that first one, man's sinfulness. If you look at the beginning of that verse and we cut it three ways, you will see what he says very clearly. He says, for the wages of sin is death. 
And so in our understanding of the gospel, we have to understand that all of mankind has a common problem, okay? And it's not a common problem like bills or stress or anything like that, but the common thread that every single one of us have, this problem, is the problem of sin that everyone outside of a relationship with Jesus is intrinsically, inherently sinful. Romans 3.23, later on in the book of Romans, says, for all have sinned. And when he says all, he means everybody. And see, we have to understand this because there is a penalty for sin. That's why it is a problem. What does he say? The wages of sin is what? Death. And when he's talking about death, he's not talking about a physical death necessarily, even though that is a consequence of sin from the Garden of Eden. But he's talking about something much more severe. He is talking about a spiritual death, an eternal death, one that lasts forever. Where if someone were to die in their sinfulness, unforgiven, apart from the grace of Jesus, if someone were to die in their sinfulness, the reality is they will spend eternity in hell. And that is the truth. It's why Paul writes about it. He says, for the wages of sin is death. And he is giving this as a truthful but loving warning. See, I understand that when you begin to communicate the gospel In order for someone to be saved, in order for someone to trust in Jesus, you have to understand, well, what are we being saved from? Like, why get saved? Like, churches say that all the time. Like, folks need to get saved. Why do churches say that? Why do Christians say that? It is because you need a Savior from your sins. Because there is a penalty for sin, which is an eternity separated from God. It's an eternity that John on the island of Patmos in Revelation writes, described as a lake of fire where you're separated without hope forever from God. And see, in order to communicate the gospel, you have to understand, if we're going to get to the saving grace of Jesus where we are heading, you have to understand what we're being saved from in the first place. Now, I know what you're thinking. Is this a difficult thing to share with someone? Yes. I know no one's jumping up and down to tell someone that the penalty for sin is eternal hell. I know that. But is this one of the most loving things you could do? Absolutely. Absolutely. That if we have the knowledge from God that there are people out there who are far from Him and their eternity is in a separation from God, How could we not go knowing that this is the price, this is the punishment that awaits the unforgiven sinner? We have an urgency to go because of this. We have an obligation to go because we see God's warning towards these folks that there is a sinfulness of mankind. There is a punishment that goes with it if it's unforgiven. And so in order to understand and communicate the gospel This good news of salvation, you have to understand what you're being saved from in the first place. The wages of sin is death. 
number one, man's sinfulness. So we see man's sinfulness, but the gospel is good news. And why is it good news? Because of what he says next. So number one is man's sinfulness, but number two is God's graciousness. Number one is man's sinfulness, but number two, second observation, is God's graciousness. If you look back at that single verse in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And so what we learn here is that there is hope. There is hope for sinners. There is hope for those who are far from the Lord, even the ones you think who would never trust in Him. Even if you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus, thinking that you're too far gone, too far removed, too bad, too sinful. In God, there is hope for you. See, salvation, this word to describe moving from a spiritual death to eternal life, being saved from sin, it is a free gift of God. It's a free gift, and that is good news. Let me explain it like this. Uh, several weeks ago, um, Lexi and I, uh, we, <laughs> fun fact, one of Lexi's favorite things is to check the mail, so she gets upset when I check the mail. I don't know why, but... Uh, we uh, check the mail, and we open up the mail, and surprise, there's a check in the mail. I'm like, all right. I'm like, Lexi, how much is it for? And she says, $16,000. I'm like, let's go. I'm getting a boat. This is going to be great. And, uh, you know, you look at the check, and you'll, I hope you know where I'm going with this. Uh, we look at it, and it's surprise, it's not a check. It's a loan with a lot of interest on it. It was one of those ones that some random company sends out in hopes that you'll take it to the bank and cash it in. And, and if you've done that, like, you really need to talk to someone next to you. <laughs> but, um, you know, and I joke with Lexi. I said, yeah, I've been cashing those for years. She did not think that was funny. Um, but uh, with this check came in the mail. And, and at face value, it looks good. Like 16 grand. Like, let's go. That's nice. But if you cash that thing, you're in trouble because not only do you have to pay that back, you got to pay it back plus some because the interest rate is, a, in, you know, incredibly high on it. And so when we think about the gospel and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the opposite of this. It's not that you receive something and then you have to pay it back over the course of your life. But in fact, the gospel is you receive better than $16,000. You receive eternal life with Jesus. And it is completely free. It's a free gift that the Lord offers from himself to you, to sinners, where you can trust in him and there's no hidden obligation to pay it back. And so when you invite people into new life with Jesus. It's not about what they do so much as it is what about God has done. You know, you would be amazed how often the language I hear is this, is when people talk about following Jesus, they're on the precipice of following Jesus. The language that they'll hear, the words they'll hear is, man, I would love to follow Jesus, but I really need to clean my life up first. I really need to take care of these things. But, the reality is it's the opposite, is you come to Jesus and he'll cleanse you on his dime. 
He is the one that gives us free gift of salvation to take sinners from death to life. Number one is man's sinfulness. Number two is God's graciousness. And then number three, finally, is Jesus' righteousness. Third observation. Man's sinfulness, God's graciousness, and then Jesus' righteousness. It's very important to catch this at the end of verse 23, where he says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And then watch this, in Christ Jesus our Lord. He didn't say in church membership. He didn't say in being a good person. But he said the free gift of God of eternal life is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. And see, what you and I have to understand is that salvation is found by faith alone in Jesus, where we are made right in his eyes. So when we're talking about these three observations, man's sinfulness is a big deal because God is a holy God. He is perfectly loving. He is perfectly just. And because of this, Sin cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Sinfulness cannot be a part of an everlasting life in eternity to come. And so, with God's justness, with His justice, we see that there is a penalty to be paid for sin. And we see that it is found where Jesus Christ dies on the cross and He takes that sinfulness from you and I from all the world and brings it upon himself so that when he presents you and I to the Father, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our wrongdoings. He doesn't see our past, the worst things we may have ever done. But he sees the righteousness on us. See, there's only one way. There's only one way to receive this. There's only one person to receive it. It is through Jesus Christ that we receive the righteousness of God where we are made innocent and clean before the Father. There's only one way, and it is through Jesus. There is a, uh, a book that Lexi and I read to Heidi, and it's funny because I think it's a New York Times bestseller, but I'm not like a huge, huge fan of the book. It's a cool book, but after you've read it the thousandth time, it kind of gets old. And the book is called We're Going on a Bear Hunt. Has anyone ever heard of this book before? Anyone ever? Okay, some of you may have. But the whole idea is like you have this family, and like the title says, they're going on a bear hunt. Now, I just want to pause and say, families, bad idea. Hands down. <laughs> I don't get that. I never have understood that, but they are pumped to go on this bear hunt. Uh, kids and all, with the dog. And they go, and every as they're going on this bear hunt, the whole point of the book is they're getting to the end. But along the way, they're going through all these different obstacles, like through the mud or through like a snowstorm or through a swamp. And so every single time they'll, they'll say, after they're going on a bear hunt, they'll say, we can't go over it, talking about the mud or the snowstorm. We can't go under it. We got to go through it. And this is what they say at every single obstacle. They can't go over it. They can't go under it. They have to go through it. And then eventually they get to the bear and then they run like smart people. See, that is just like what we see in the culture today. Like God gives us his pathway 
to follow him through his son, Jesus Christ. But the reality is, folks look through and look for all kinds of different pathways to find salvation. They'll look for it, and they'll look for salvation by being a good person. And don't get me wrong, I think there's so much nobility in that. I'm so thankful that people want to be good, but that is not the way in which God says you are saved. People will say, hey, like, maybe I should join a church. Again, I think it's a wise thing to do. But that is not what saves. And then uh, maybe another way is, like, you know, instead of being a good person, I just don't need to be as bad as, like, that guy over there. And if I'm not as bad as that person, then I'm probably good. And then I'll be all right. But again, the problem with that is that's not the way in which God says we are saved. What does he say? He says the free gift of God is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is only one way to the Lord. It's not over or under, but it is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way, folks, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through Him. And so as we prepare to build a culture of evangelism, of inviting people into new life, we are inviting them into new life by trusting in Jesus and trusting in Jesus alone. When you invite people into new life with Christ, it is specific that you invite them into new life with Christ. Man's sinfulness causes a wild problem for all of mankind, that we are guilty of sin. But oh my goodness, we have a loving and gracious God who loved His creation so much that He was willing to send His Son to come to this earth, to die on a cross by His grace to show and to give us a pathway of being saved. That is the essence of the gospel. That we're right now By trusting in Jesus, by having faith alone in Jesus, you can be saved. I want to encourage you as a church, as you prepare to go and take this good news, know why it's good news, and be able to communicate it in such a way that people have all the truth of Romans 6.23, and they can be invited in to new life with Christ. As we come to a close this morning, I just want to ask for this gathering and this time here, for us as the church, we come together and gather because we're worshiping Jesus' name. We proclaimed Him as Savior and Lord. But I want to ask you this morning, maybe you're here and maybe you've never trusted in Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've never followed Him as Savior and Lord. What I've seen happen time and time again with folks in this, that become a part of this church and folks that are drawn in by the gospel is it's very much like a sunrise. And so sunrise, one of my favorite times of the day, is when you wake up, it's completely dark, and then you see the sun on the horizon begin to rise, and the sky begins to change colors, and the sun begins to rise higher. And then at some point you find yourself completely in the light and it's daytime. And for so many people, I've seen this to be true, is they will hear the gospel message, this good news of Jesus Christ, 
And in the distance, on the horizon, they begin to see the light of the gospel. They're not in it yet. They're not captivated, not drawn in just yet. But as time goes on and the sun begins to rise more, they see more vividly and more clearly the depths and the love of of Christ. And they see what the world is truly like as it is illuminated by his word. And as the sun continues to rise even more, they begin to understand the, the weight of Jesus dying on the cross and his way from raising from the dead. And, and all of a sudden, in the same way as the sun is uh, high in the sky and everything is fully illuminated, everything is in, is in the light, folks who were unbelievers will turn around and they'll find themselves in a place where they have fully trusted in Christ. They fully believe the message of the gospel. And they're fully captivated by the goodness of God as they see the light of Christ. And it happens like a sunrise. Maybe that's you today. That as you've been hearing the claims of Christ and you've been wrestling with the biblical truth that we find in His Word, you have been stirred and you feel the drawing of the Holy Spirit calling you to come. And maybe today is the day where as the sun is almost high in the sky, you sense the Holy Spirit leading you to give your life to Christ. And so as He has invited all of us in and we've accepted that, I just want to invite you in to trust in Jesus today. If you've never done this, give your life to Jesus and he will give you everlasting life as you follow him. Let's pray together.